0: Uh, Now we come to a a type of an inhale here, uh, where we get to spend a little time in Zechariah's letter. And so let me read God's word from Zechariah chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed them with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Let me pray really quickly for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. Um, we pray that we are able to uh, take it in and um, see what it meant uh, more than 2,000 years ago. Let's see what it means today. Uh, in your son's name we pray. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a story about God making a way for his people to dwell with him. um, Despite his people always continuously turning their backs and running in the opposite direction. Um, God is totally pure and clean and spotless. um, And despite his people being impure, unclean, and filthy, God makes a way for his people, for us, to be with him. Uh, at our core, we're made to be in communion with the living God, uh, to relate to Him, to dwell with Him. But almost like a, a magnet uh, that is flipped over and repulsed by the opposite side, uh, His holiness cannot come in contact with our unholiness. Uh, our spotless, uh, our spots can't come in contact with His spotlessness. Our impurities and filthiness can't come in contact with His purity. Um, I live in Seattle, a couple miles north of UW, uh, and Seattle. Uh, I'm I'm guessing all of you have at least driven through, if not spent a good amount of time there. Uh, Seattle is remarkably beautiful. It is a beautiful city. Uh, as you're driving down I-5, uh, especially on a you know sunny day, uh, you have the Seattle skyline ahead of you. You've got UW's campus on the left, and you've got Lake Washington out there. Sometimes there's some Sparkling ripples of the water with the, with the sunlight. You have the Cascades out to the east. You have the Olympics out to the west. Um, beautiful views of Mount Rainier. Uh, occasionally Mount Baker up here even. Uh, it, is, it is a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, when you're driving up on top of that bridge, particularly looking down, I, I just love the view. But when you get underneath the bridge... Um, there's a little bit of a different story Um, you see a a lot of trash and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain uh, a lot of people experiencing homelessness and the consequences of that individually and societally Uh, and there's also this um, underbelly to the the city of Seattle that has a a certain grunge to it that is not so beautiful um, where the brokenness is quite apparent um Uh, here's here's the thing, is that our hearts are very similar to both the beauty and the brokenness of Seattle. Uh, If we are truly honest with ourselves, our hearts resemble the grunge of the city, uh, the uncleanness of the city. Uh, We have all of these little encampments living within our hearts, uh, residing within the city limits of our hearts that produce all sorts of problems in our own lives, and in the lives around us. Um, I want to ask you a, a quick question this morning. What are the areas of your life that might look pretty good from up on top of the bridge? It um, uh, might look good from afar, but once you dig down a little bit deeper into your life, uh, they don't look so clean. Uh, it could be professional, it could be personal, it could be a lot of things. Right? Uh, today I want to look at Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, and uh, what a remarkable passage this is! Uh, Zechariah probably doesn 't get preached too often in uh, many churches, and so uh, I love to bring a, a, a fresh um, uh, you know a fresh passage to us this morning. but um, let me give you the context of this right uh, The Israelites have returned from exile, you know uh, they were so excited about the promised land and they leave. They, have to, they get forced to leave for 70 years um, and you have these different prophets who are, are back in Jerusalem or out in exile in Babylon but they finally come back right and they've got this initial really big excitement about rebuilding the temple and so they, they do but it's not nearly as um, beautiful and uh, illustrious as the, as the temple was during Solomon's day and so they've kind of dampened their spirits a little bit. Okay. Uh, the, the, the energy or, you know, the, uh, the helium has kind of gone out of the balloon. It's, 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 uh, it's just like this deflated feeling. And Zerubbabel and Joshua are kind of trying to stir the pot a little bit and lead the effort to put some sails, uh, put the wind back in the sails of the Israelites. All right. Now, the first half of the book of Zechariah has these seven night visions, which are fascinating, okay? Um, and I invite you to, to take a look at it. Um, um, but let me give you the, the brief, broad overview here. Uh, they're arranged kind of like in a sandwich structure. All right? So the first and the seventh have to do with the nations at large. All right? The second and the sixth have to do with uh, Judea, uh, the, the region around Jerusalem. The third and the fifth have to do with Jerusalem itself. And the fourth one, which is the one that we're looking at right here, it has to do with the Holy of Holies. All right? you know, location, location, location. We're coming in. This is like the the meat of these night visions. You might say, like the theological meat of the the book of Zechariah, and you could even say the theological meat of the entire Bible, right here in the book of Zechariah. All right, it's pretty cool, um, and I have uh, enjoyed digging into it. All right, Uh, we've got a few characters here that I can introduce you to. One of them is Joshua. He is the high priest. All right, he's the mediator between God and the people. Uh, he makes it possible for the people to be in the presence of God. He does all these like ritual, cleansing, ceremonial type things to be clean in the presence of God as a representative for everybody else. Uh, another character in this passage is Satan, um, the great accuser. And we'll look at him in a little bit here. Uh, and then we also have the angel of the Lord. Different perspectives on this. Um, I'm pretty convinced that this is the preincarnate Christ, all right? Um, uh, this is the same as the Lord, present with his people, all right? So three things I want to look at together here this morning. First, is that Satan accuses us of our filthy clothes. Second, Jesus removes our filthy clothes. And third, Jesus gives us a whole new set of clothes, all right? Satan accuses us of our filthy clothes. Jesus removes us from our filthy clothes. Jesus gives us a whole new set of clothes. So first, Satan accuses us of our filthy clothes. Uh, Satan is a master of deception and trickery and lies. But at his essence, he is the accuser. His name in Hebrew is actually just the noun form of the verb to accuse. Alright? a quite literal translation of this uh, first verse or two in Zechariah chapter 3 would be that Satan is standing um, to Satan, Joshua. Or the accuser is standing to accuse Joshua. The, the name is just the same thing, just in a different form. Uh, it's the same word. Uh, and Satan is accusing um, Joshua of something, but what is he accusing Joshua of? Well, what we have here is we have a courtroom scene, right? Five times in this passage, we have somebody standing. Um, Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord. All all sorts of people are standing. And we use the same language in courtroom today, to stand before the judge. Um, uh, And the judge is the one who is seated. So Satan is the prosecutor uh, and the one who is there to accuse the defendant of his imperfections, his uncleanness, and his filthiness. Um, he's there to point out why Joshua cannot be in the presence of the Lord. And here's the thing is, at face value, he's right. He's absolutely right. Um, if you look at, at verse 3, uh, let's read verse 3 again. Now Joshua is standing before the Lord clothed with filthy garments. Uh, this word filthy means more than just dirty, Okay. There's actually like a a putrid, wretched, um, you know, stink, a stank to who uh, Joshua is. He is is filthy, all right? He is gross. Um, uh, And worse than that, remember, that this is the high priest, all right? He's supposed to be clean in the presence of the Lord so everybody else can be in the presence of the Lord. Um, But he is putrid. He is filthy, filthy. 2022 has been a a year of a lot of, like, postponed weddings. We just went to one a couple weeks ago uh, that was supposed to be in 2020, and then it was supposed to be in 2021, and then it happened in 2022, right? Um, And just imagine um, a wedding, and uh, let's say the wedding officiant is out, and he does, like, a tough mutter, all right? Um, And uh, then, like, um, maybe rolls around in some more mud somehow. I guess a tough mudder, he's already done that, but... um, You know, goes back and does a workout and just gets all gross and stinky. And then he realizes that it's time to go do the wedding. And he stands up front and he's just dressed in all of his, like, gross mud and, like, stink. And he's like, I'm ready to officiate the wedding. No, you're not. Like, go clean up and then, like, present yourself in a way that is uh, appropriate for the situation, right? Um, Joshua is dressed in filthy clothes. Um... Uh, and if he can't stand before the Lord, then nobody else can. Right? This is this is bad news for everybody. Um, and here, like, we are all like Joshua. Right? We are all like Joshua. When when Jesus comes, he establishes a priesthood of all believers. Okay, which means that we can all have this relationship with uh, God the, the way that Joshua did, or even actually more proximate than that. Um, but we are we are all in filthy clothes before. The Lord, we have nothing to offer. Our relationship with God is checkered with impure motives. Um, a lot of different directions that I could go at this point, um, but I was thinking about it for myself, um, and I was like, "Okay, what happened in this past week?" Um, a few days ago, I I had no meetings. Okay, I had the day set aside for like admin. I was am right now we're we're preparing for the fall quarter for UW students to come and. There's a lot of different uh, welcome week activities and we have a student leaders retreat that we need to plan and get ready for. I was like, okay, I've got this full day and I'm just going to like hammer it out and get to it. I was going to finish this sermon, right? um, And uh, a number of other things. And then maybe uh, a day or two before that day, my wife uh, who works in the hospital got called in to work that day. And I was like, okay, all right, that's fine. Um, My kids, uh, you know, or in school at least I'll have like the school hours for you know crunching out a few hours of work and then of course um in Seattle the teachers union went on a strike and so um uh that got wiped away too and my admin day just got totally got totally busted up right and, and who did I who did I take it out on I took it out of my kids <laughs> was it their fault <laughs> no <laughs> um you know, like, and I call myself a pastor, right? We, we all have these, like, impure motives, you know, checkered uh, throughout our lives. Um, and, uh, you know, um, we, we are all stained and filthy and gross standing before the Lord. Um, and Satan is there to accuse us of our filthy clothes. Um, secondly, and fortunately... Jesus removes us from our filthy clothes. Uh, Let's look at verses 2 and 3 again here. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed in filthy garments. Uh, And then verse 4. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Um, Now notice who is rebuking Satan. It's not us, it's not Joshua, um, but it is the Lord. He is the one who is pushing back. He is the one who is capable enough. The only one that is capable enough. The only one that is strong enough. I'm reminded of a scene in uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth where the Lady Macbeth, who is just, like, riddled with guilt, and she's uh, sleepwalking, and she has uh, a stain on her garment, um, and she's repeating, kind of hopelessly, outspot, out. I cut out one word there. Okay. Um, uh, she, she knows she's guilty, all right, uh, and she's sleepwalking with this weight upon her, trying to, and she's, like, scrubbing this, this stain. She's trying to get it out, right? She's trying to get it out herself, but she can't do it. She can't dig deep enough. Uh, She can't make herself clean. No matter how hard we scrub, we can't get the spot out either. We can't clean ourselves. It's only on the cross of Jesus that gets the spot out. Um, One of my favorite theologians is uh, somebody named Meredith Klein... And Meredith Klein has this uh, great two-word phrase that has stood with me for a long time. Um, and he calls the blood of Christ a strange detergent. It is a strange detergent. Um, and is, Not only does his blood clean us and make us white as snow, but he removes our filth from us. His blood gets into our life and makes us as pure as snow. Um, now, how does this happen? Well... In order for something that is dirty to become clean, something clean has to become dirty. Uh, In order for something dirty to become clean, something clean has to become dirty. Think about doing the dishes. Uh, You've got all these dishes, and the dirtiness has to go somewhere. You've got a a sponge or a dish towel that was clean, but then it becomes dirty. It's no good if the dish towel is dirty or greasy or whatever. I'm not going to go grab my, like, you know rag that I've been using on the car to come do the dishes. Um, I'm going to use a clean dish rag to wash our dirty dishes because that dirtiness has to go somewhere and that is what Christ does for us. He is the clean one that absorbs our dirt uh, and gets rid of it. We are dirty. We are unclean. And Christ, as the spotless clean one, comes and takes our dirt away. His blood acts as a strange detergent Uh, in isaiah chapter 6 this is the call of isaiah uh, one of the better known chapters of isaiah it reads then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and said behold this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for christ takes away our guilt he atones for all of our wrongdoings. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. He removes us from our filthy clothes, but he doesn't stop there. All right? He actually goes beyond that. He gives us a whole new set of clothes. Um, we get a whole new set of pure garments from Christ. I think that the hymn, um, And Can It Be, captures this pretty well. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. And clothed in righteousness bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown through Christ my own. If I had more confidence in my singing voice I would sing it for you. Uh, Clothing... Back in that day, it had a, a lot more significance to it than it does today. It still holds some significance, um, but not nearly like it did back at uh, two and three thousand years ago. Okay, this um, uh, clothing was a really, really big deal. Think about the, just the number of hours that would go into um, putting a garment together of some sort. Uh, we can think of examples where clothing is a big deal in the Old Testament. Um, uh, I think of Joseph and his coat of many colors or his long-robed uh, sleeves, right? Uh, Adam and Eve being clothed with animal skins in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, hugely significant um, right there at the beginning of the Bible. Um, now, who is giving these characters their clothing? Right? With Joseph, it is his father who is giving him this clothing. and Adam, Adam and Eve get the clothing from their heavenly father, right? Uh, clothing and... Uh, let me see what, how much we can go into this. Okay, uh, clothing is a sign of inheritance, okay? Um, it, it's this signification of inheritance where uh, people are being clothed by their father, right? Clearly Joshua is being set apart from his brothers, right? He is going to receive a bigger inheritance and this many-colored robe signifies it. Um, so, so here Joshua is being clothed by God. So, what does this mean? What is he inheriting? What is Joshua inheriting as he gets these pure garments from God? Here's where I think we, we get the right answer is that he is inheriting the righteousness of Christ. He's inheriting Jesus' righteousness hundreds of years before Jesus walked on the earth. Um, he's inheriting the ability to dwell. With God again. Once again God has made a way. To dwell with his people. And not only Joshua. But all of the people. Uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question 33. Is what is justification? Alright. Justification is an act of God's free grace. Wherein he pardons all of our sins. This is Joshua's filthy clothes being removed. And he accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. This is Joshua getting a whole new set of clothes. Um, He pardons us of all our sins. He removes our filthy garments. And he gives us a whole new set of garments uh, and accepts us as righteous in his sight only by the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Uh, In the New Testament, Paul picks up on this importance of clothing. Um, A few times. In Galatians 3, he tells the Galatians that they have clothed themselves in Christ. Uh, So here Christ is actually likened to the clothing itself. God has given us more than pure vestments. He's given us himself. He's given us Jesus. Um, uh, Clothing um, is is incredibly important. And I think uh, we can actually dig deeper into this. Let me just fly through this, okay, for you note-takers, all right? Um, four things. Four more things about, about clothing, all right? Am I losing you? I can, I can skip this. Are we good? Okay. Um, four more things about clothing. Uh, one, it gives us our primary identity, all right? Primary identity. Clothes reveal who we are. If you see somebody, um, you know, let's say uh, you saw Russell Wilson with a Denver Broncos jersey on, right? Like... This is like his primary identity now, right? Uh, now he has switched his clothing from one allegiance to another. It is a primary identifier of who you are. Um, secondly, closeness to Christ, right? Nothing is closer to us than our clothing. Uh, there is this intimacy and closeness and proximity to, like, between us and our clothing. They go everywhere that we go. Um, our identity as in Christ goes everywhere that we go. Um, it is here on Sunday mornings. It is also here at this time tomorrow on Monday mornings. All right? Um, third, we get to imitate Christ. All right? When we think about um, uh, the clothing that we wear, and if we are clothed with Christ, uh, we get to walk into and practice the presence um, and practicing His presence uh, and, and what that means in terms of putting on His virtues. Um, uh, my, my daughter... Uh, Sometimes, occasionally, likes to garden with uh, my wife and I. And whenever she does, for some reason, she always wears my wife's, uh, they're too big for her, but uh, her gardening shoes, okay? And, uh, you know, like, she puts them on, and then when she puts them on, she knows that she is going to garden, right? She's putting on the virtues of her mom and going out to dig in the soil a little bit. Um, The same is true for us where we get to imitate Christ by putting on his virtues. Uh, We live into the clothes that we are in given. Uh, Lastly, uh, we are acceptable to God. Uh, When He looks on us, He looks at the clean clothes that He has bestowed to us, that He has granted to us, that He has given to us. Um, And this means that there's no longer any condemnation. Uh, No matter where you've been or what you've done, uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation, now I dread. Um, And this is something we need to hear over ...and over and over again. Um, there's no longer any guilt. There's no longer any shame... Um, uh, ...when you are in Christ. Uh, I hope that we are able to drink deeply... ...from that truth. Um, I have the privilege of telling UW students... ...about this truth often... Uh, ...which is really cool... ...in contexts like this from up front... Uh, ...but also in small groups... ...and also over coffee... ...and uh, lunch... ...and all sorts of other ways... Um, uh, there are some incredibly gifted UW students, um, some really high-achieving UW students. Um, if you went there, don't be too um, puffed up right now. Okay, um, um, one, of, one of those students in particular um, is majoring in a competitive degree that uh, will no doubt lead her to get some multiple job offers in some pretty lucrative fields. And it, I'm quite excited to see where the Lord directs her paths. Um, uh, She's liked by her peers. She's admired for being personable. Um, She gets good grades. Um, From up on top of the bridge, her life looks really put together, right? Um, uh, A lot of of people admire her for her, um, even in her humility in the midst of it. Um, But when you sit down with her and she allows you to enter into her life on a more personal level, uh, you realize that things aren't quite as shiny as they appear. Um, uh, She suffers from uh, this crippling anxiety um, and performance fatigue uh, that she feels like is just going to crash at any moment, right? Um, uh, Things at home aren't so good either. Um, She's got a pretty tumultuous relationship with her mom, uh, and uh, uh, it has driven her to actually... um, consider and and think about, uh, ending everything, ending her life. Um, and, uh, not everything is, as it seems, from the top. Um, uh, but here's my prayer for her, and here's my prayer for you, uh, and also my prayer for myself, uh, that we would all find rest in the finished work of the cross. Um, that we would be able to recognize that Christ has clothed us with righteousness. Um, His clothing, it it just envelops us with who he is. Uh, And to live in such a way that is in agreement with the way that his clothes make us look. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning. Um, We thank you for this gospel message out of Zechariah chapter 3. And uh, for clothing Joshua the high priest with these uh, clean clothes uh, and and what it means for us. So, um, uh, yeah, we thank you for the word that spoke, that has spoken through um, generations of of people. Um, We we thank you for the way that you continue to speak to us this morning. Uh, All these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.